Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fiduciary Investors podcast series. I'm Amanda White, Director of Institutional Content at Connexus Financial and editor of top1000funds.com. I'm joined today by Henry Richards, Project Lead on the Future of the Corporation at the British Academy. This discussion is part of our exploration of purposeful companies and the premise that we need to redefine business in the 21st century to build trust between corporations, investors and society. Thank you very much for being here, Henry. Well, it's a real pleasure to be with you, Amanda. Thanks for inviting me. So we're definitely living in unprecedented times. I think we'll all agree on that. What role does the corporation have in this crisis, Henry, this global health pandemic? What does good corporate leadership look like and what role does the corporation have in times like this? Well, it's a it's a tragic time for everybody. And uh, I mean, I would start by acknowledging the huge sacrifices that healthcare workers and, and other key workers are making day to day to save lives. Uh, to keep us safe and and healthy, and I think I think that could uh, that could be a feature of this discussion going forward. Um, but what role can companies play? Well, I think we've seen uh, we've seen some of that already. Uh, certainly in the UK, we've seen really prominent steps taken by by companies. Hotels are housing the homeless, car makers producing ventilators, and supermarkets talking about feeding the nation. Um, And I I think that just illustrates the extent to which people who are at the heart of these companies uh, uh, really want to drive them to be purposeful and to support society. And and people aren't just out to to make a quick profit. Uh, And most companies really want to, to behave in that sort of way. So in some ways, it's actually demonstrating a lot of the work that that you've done at the British Academy over the last couple of years. Let's have a little bit of a chat about that uh, project, the future of the corporation. The aim was to develop an agenda for the reform of business policy, practice, and teaching. Can you tell us a bit about the background and how you've brought it all together? What the what the agenda is, and then we can go into some detail about uh, some of the progress. So the the project is um, was launched by the British Academy, and the Academy is a fellowship of some of the UK and the world's leading academics across a range of disciplines. And it, it exists to deepen understanding of people, societies and cultures. And, and that really illustrates what we're about with this project and, and why this project was started. Because the role of business in society is a, is a big question that demands thinking from across a really wide range of uh, academic disciplines, but also different walks of life. And the British Academy is an institution which can convene from, uh, from all, all areas of business and society, from policymakers to, to uh, leaders of charities, but also um, leaders of industry, investors, um, and other, other key actors in the whole ecosystem around business. And we've set out to, as I said, to study the role of business in society. And our conclusions from uh, an extensive set of research in 2018 were really that the role of purpose was central. And we can come back to how we've defined corporate purpose. Um, but purpose can't be alone in uh, in defining the way the company operates. It needs other attributes. It needs a culture that enables the delivery of that purpose. 
and it's aligned with it. And it needs the trust, the trust of its customers, of its suppliers, of its staff and people and workers, uh, of its investors and of uh, society more broadly. And to, to earn that trust, it needs to behave uh, in a way which is consistent with its purpose and culture. So all of those together, we found with the research we conducted in 2018, really should form the heart of an agenda around the future of the corporation. And in 2019, we set out to, to add a lot more detail into that. Uh, and, and again, we can, we can talk more about this. Um, but the conclusions of our work in 2019, which were really led by practitioners, people who spend their day, uh, days and nights probably thinking about how businesses behave and how they operate, um, we concluded with, with a set of eight principles there which, uh, which can uh, bring alive that uh, idea of a purposeful business. And we will get to that, and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what those eight principles so the premise is that while business is a global force contributing to the development and prosperity of society, the corporation is perhaps not adequately equipped and structured to deal with the challenges of the future. So can you be a bit more specific about what those inadequacies or historical failings actually are? Well, I think the, the starting point for this is history, as you said. Um, and it's really only in the last 50 to 60 years that companies have been more narrowly focused on financial goals. And we should come back to, to the questions around profit and purpose. Um, but with our 2018 research, uh, one element of that looked at the history of the corporation and went right back to Roman times when the idea of a, an institution that brought people together to deliver a, uh, some purpose was created. Um, and since those times, uh, the, the nature of the corporation has evolved, both in terms of its legal form, but also what it's trying to achieve um, and the way it does that. Uh, so in recent years, we see companies which are increasingly intangible in their nature, that they have a greater impact that extends well beyond their legal limitations. They have a role to play in, in answering and addressing the sustainable development goals um, and that and, and they, they have a greater impact in society as the state reduces its, its role. So as, as, the, as, as the nature of the corporation has evolved, as the nature of society has evolved, we see the importance of companies acting in a, in a way which is uh, much more aligned with the interests of society that, that essentially addresses the needs of the people who they exist to support and, uh, and, 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 and to, to, to uh, provide for. Um, so it, it, I mean, there's, there's a lot of detail in here, and I, I suspect I won't adequately explain it all. Um, and I'd encourage anyone who has an interest to, to really read through some of the research we've produced. But at its heart, I think it is that point around impact, which for me highlights the need for uh, companies to really think about purpose more directly, the impact that they have on wider society, uh, and therefore the purpose they need to serve to support society. And you do have a lot of research published on your website, so it's all, all very uh, easily available to anyone that wants to go onto the British Academy website. 
One of those uh, that's published is this paper, Principles for Purposeful Business, that you've referred to, which is a a guide for lawmakers and and business leaders. I just want to, before we talk about the eight principles, I just want to pick up on a a, uh, technicality. You've actually said that you Mm. want business leaders to move towards purpose before profit, profit. So purpose before profit, not alongside profit. Is there a reason for saying before profit and is, is that too much of a, a change for corporations? How, how do you view that? Well, I suppose we're um, – th- th- there's a couple of things to say about, about that one. Um, and I think that as a headline has certainly raised um, some interesting responses from different quarters um, I think it's worth saying, you know, people should read the the details, um, and um, and one of the things they'll see when they read the details is that we really emphasise the importance of profit. Uh, profit is what enables the company to survive and to be sustained, um, but profit is a means to an end and not the end in itself. And I think that was the core intent behind that headline, which says profit. A purpose before profit. It was simply to really highlight the, the sense that profit is not the end in itself, but the means to the end. And I think it, it does jump out and, uh, and you're not the only person to have, uh, to have uh, raised that. And I think we're, we, you know, we're reflective on, on, on whether it's exactly right to say that. Um, but I think, it, I think it does at least highlight this point that profit is a means to an end. Um, and I, as I said, I encourage people to, to read the detail because it, it's very clear that profit is very necessary. Um, I think that, I, I, yeah, I think, I, I think that highlights it. And I, I think that the principles really highlight the, the extent of the challenge across a range of issues. And it's not just about one, uh, one particular idea. So let's have a chat about those principles. Can you uh, lay them out for us and, and perhaps where possible give us some examples of how companies are incorporating them in practical ways? Yes, so the principles cover eight key areas. And let me list them. So the first is law and the second is regulation. Then we have ownership, governance, performance, sorry, measurement, performance, uh, finance and investment. I won't, uh, I won't sort of read out the, the principles themselves because I think uh, people can go and read them. Um, but just to raise a few important points. Um, one is that the, these principles are for policymakers and there are changes to policy that are really important, but they're also for business leaders um, and in fact, they're for everyone involved in business, which basically means everyone. I think it's a, they're, they're not intended to be prescriptive, um, but they should be uh, a, a tool. Uh, they're principles. They should be a tool to, um, to allow policymakers to, to understand the nature of um, the, the policies that they, they, they need to set out to, uh, to enable uh, a purposeful business environment and indeed for for business leaders to uh, interrogate their businesses and understand um, how they need to reshape practice their business practices to bring about um, to bring about a more purposeful approach um, to give a couple of examples uh, I think it's worth 
pointing to, for example, we, we've engaged with a company called Anglian Water here in the UK. Um, and the interesting thing that they've done is to uh, really to change the, their articles of association to in, embed a social purpose within those. And they're, they're a big company here in the UK, a water company, a utility, um, and an unusual example of doing that. And that legal commitment is uh, an important element of the principles we've set out. Um, another company we engage with is um, Scottish and Southern Electric SSE, um, another utility company. They've, they've again embraced these, this set of principles and used the overriding um, definition of corporate purpose as a, uh, a tool to in the process they're undertaking to reshape their business. And we know of, of, of many others who are pursuing corporate purpose at the moment as a, as a central objective, and indeed others that have been uh, acting in a purposeful way for quite some time and provide useful examples. For example, we talked about Handelsbanken, a Swedish bank, um, which operates uh, a model which distributes um, responsibility across its branch network. We've talked about Nova Nordisk, which has a long history of, uh, of, of, of solving uh, society's problems. Um, and indeed, I think there are new, new, uh, new companies coming to this. Uh, and, and I heard uh, Microsoft's CEO, Satya Nadella, uh, talk about purpose in exactly the terms that, that we've set out in our reports. So my audience is large institutional investors, many of which have been looking to invest in sustainable companies for some time. Have, have you got evidence that purposeful companies are better performing companies over the long term? Well, I think this is a growing area and, and um, there's, there's a lot of new reports coming out uh, year by year that highlight different aspects of this. Um, I mean, a starting point, and if you look at the issue of climate change, I think there's, there's a huge amount of evidence building up. And it started with uh, a report from Nick Stern, who is in fact a former president of the British Academy. So the Stern Review um, highlighted that the costs of failing to act on climate change um, would be greater than the costs of taking action. Um, and I think that's that's really well proven, and and, and you can see that now the behaviour of companies is reflecting this um, divestment in coal, for example, uh, being a particular uh, a particular action that that companies are now taking, um, and it, and it's really for commercial reasons. So it's not necessarily a sort of an altruistic step, um, but it's because the risks of investment in coal. Um, are outweighing the, the opportunities. Um, I think in terms of a more social side, that, that, that research from MSCI in 2018, highlighting that companies with diverse boards experience greater productivity growth. Uh, and, I, and I know that there are other, uh, there's other research which highlights this point around diversity and, and uh, how it can improve performance. Um, I'd also highlight I'd, I'd, I'd also highlight research which talks about the, the reducing the falling lifespan of companies. Um, a report from Credit Suisse in 2017 highlighted a, a drop from 60 years to 20 years in the average lifespan of US companies. 
Um, and I think, I think that highlights the, the increasingly short-term nature of business, which comes back to this question of uh, the, the, very finan- the very narrow set of financial goals that companies are now pursuing, which makes, which, which makes them less resilient to some of the uh, challenges that arise. And indeed, we're obviously facing now probably one of the most acute uh, economic crises that uh, we've ever faced, uh, perhaps outside of wartime, uh, and, and companies are really being tested uh, to, their, to the utmost. Um, and so we'll certainly see implications from that uh, coming over the coming uh, years. Um, and I think it's companies like, uh, for example, Nova Nordisk, I mentioned before, which is which has thrived since 1923. Uh, companies like Arab Group, for example, who we've engaged with, uh, who've been around since 1946, and that continue to to sustain themselves um, and don't uh, no, don't necessarily uh, startle people with their financial performance year on year, but continue a steady. Um, just, just a steady positive performance, producing a profit, as we were talking about earlier, you know, the importance of profit being to enable the company to be sustained, um, but ultimately serving a purpose um, and operating in such a way that they deliver over the long term, uh, rather than necessarily uh, focusing on the short term. So yes, I think there is, there is plenty of evidence um, and um, and you can see with the the, the rush towards ESG um, in in recent years that uh, the markets are really looking at that quite closely. And I think it's I think it's clear and as I said, clear with in the frame of this crisis that uh, that this type of agenda really is vital for companies both to sustain themselves and to succeed in what is a very difficult and complex business environment. Indeed. Now, maybe we'll just get on a more practical level. What does purpose look like? You know, how can I investors identify whether or not a company has a purpose and what that purpose looks like? And how, what are the measures of success of, of meeting that purpose? Like, let's talk about it on a sort of more practical level. Can you give us some indicators of what those two things might look like? Well, I think it's I think it's a it's a it's the right question, um, and I don't want to um, overstate where we've got to in our process. Um, we have set out. So I'll, let me come back to to to, to why I've said that. But, but but the starting point is, I suppose, um, looking at a general definition of purpose, and we've set that out as to profitably solve the problems of people and planet and not to profit from creating problems for people and planet. I think that that's a very important place for anyone to start when they're considering uh, judging the purpose that a company is set out. Um, does it meet that sort of standard? Um, I think that, that, that would be um, a good starting point. But what we haven't done is try to prescribe what each individual company company's purpose should look like. And I don't think we want to or expect that to happen. Um, the, the advantage, the, the great strength of business in many ways is its diversity and its, uh, its ability to adapt 
uh, and and deliver in the face of uh, complex and changing environments. Uh, so we wouldn't want to quash that diversity. Um, but looking for practical measures, I mean, I, I do think that you could start from our set of principles, and we did in our uh, our report principles principles for purposeful business try to describe what a purposeful company would look like, um, and we we set out according to each of the principles what they might be doing. For example, on go on governance, their companies might be establishing board governance arrangements. Um, that promote the successful adoption and implementation of their purposes. On performance, companies would restate their profits to make provisions for the costs of remedying failures to fulfill their purposes. On, uh, on investment, companies would be establishing partnerships with relevant organizations and demonstrating their commitments to them. Um, on the law, companies might be required by law to adopt and specify the purposes they're committed to achieving. On ownership, they identify shareholders supportive of their purposes who, through, uh, through holding significant blocks of shares for extended periods of time, offer the stability of ownership required to fulfil their purposes. So I think, I think, I think uh, business leaders could certainly start with that set of principles. Um, but it's undoubtedly the case that a lot of work needs to be done, that advisors to businesses uh, need to really understand this agenda around corporate purpose and translate it into a set of tools that each individual business can apply um, and, um, and that, that corporate leaders and boards really need to take this uh, seriously and and treat it as an intrinsic central part of the way their business operates and look at it through each of the issues that they consider. And presumably there's a role for investors there in holding the corporations to account on what those principles are and what they lay out their purpose to be. Well, I think I think I could refer then to our um, to our principle on on ownership, um, because I think one of the challenges that we've seen in recent times is that um, investors essentially, which which arguably means all of us, because most of us have pensions and uh, and are therefore a stake in in uh, in companies via those investments, um, but we don't actively play a role in governing those companies in the way that I think the system envisions that we do. Uh, so that the point we've made, the principle we've highlighted is that of course uh, shareholders and investors um, have a right to expect a return on their investment, but alongside that right, there should be a reciprocal obligation, a responsibility um, to play a role as an owner or a steward, many would say, uh, in in terms of that company's purpose, uh, and and we need some innovation here, and, and that's certainly something we're looking at this year. But we need some innovation in how that happens, um, and I know very, uh, different groups are looking at these sorts of questions. Um, but the role shareholders play in in holding the the company to account for their investments um, really does need a lot of attention because at the moment um, what we tend to see is that investors really aren't playing that role and aren't exercising those responsibilities um, in order to ensure that companies 
are managed for the long term and in a purposeful manner. So let's just turn to uh, the high street, as uh, you British say, and, you know, Mm. the need to build trust between business and society, um, which has been failing. Do you think that the reformulation of corporate purpose is the paradigm shift that's needed to redefine business for the 21st century and build that trust between business and society? Look, I think I think there are you know you, you can come at this from many directions and different angles, and I'm sh- and, and there are there are plenty of different uh, groups looking at this question of trust in particular. Um, and it's, in fact, it's quite interesting to look at trust because in many ways trust in business um, isn't in decline, <laughs> which which challenges some of the. Uh, the sort of general perceptions, um, and I think one of the reasons for that is that actually we we trust businesses we know well, maybe that, that employ us or uh, that we're we're, we're sort of um, long term customers of. Um, but there's a general perception which I think is where the the negative uh, impressions come from, and 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 that comes from certain certain bad behavior in in some sectors in some industries and some particular companies you, you know we've, we've obviously experienced a banking crisis uh ten, around 10 years ago we've seen corporate leaders paid uh far far in excess of of anyone else in their businesses so there's there's this perception purpose we we see i think as the as the binding um, gel between all of the different factors, and I think when when you want a when you want to make a broad shift, um, and you want companies to play a greater role in society, and we want to solve some of the problems that we've uh, we've we've observed, you need a a, a single um, coherent set of policies that that revolve around uh, one core idea. To replace this very um, strongly built-in notion that that somehow companies are only there to to produce and maximise a return for shareholders, uh, which has really dominated the idea of business and turned it into an institution which is all about somehow all about greed, which I don't think is the case, and I don't think most people in business are greedy. I don't. I just don't think that's that's what people are like. Um, so we, we, we've really uh, constructed this set of principles around purpose in order to, to ensure its coherence um, and uh, enable a, a, a sort of a single narrative around um, what business is for and what role it plays in society. And the, the, the set of eight principles reflect uh, a sort of mirror image of principles which currently oversee the way business operates, but are focused very much around um, around the, the idea of maximising profit and returns for shareholders. Um, so we, we've sort of taken, taken that starting point and mirrored it um, with this set of eight principles, but reshaped them around purpose. And the idea of doing that, as I said, is to build a coherent and consistent set of policies and practices uh, which deal with the whole uh, the whole set of issues rather than just jumping in on one and and I, and I think that that last point is important because if you if you just try to say for example let's say change the law and uh, and and hope for the best 
Um, I think we can all acknowledge, and certainly the work we've done and all of the engagement we've had with practitioners from lawyers to accountants and business business leaders, uh, highlights that just changing the law won't achieve very much in terms of a shift to a more purposeful business. But equally, just waiting for business leaders to do it on their own is is not gonna uh, is not gonna be enough. I think it's a combination of all of these uh, all of these changes. It's a, it's a systems approach ultimately, which will lead to uh, a, the broader change. And we need all of those changes to be taking place uh, nearly simultaneously uh, in order to really see that shift that we're looking for. So, Henry, what's next then? What's the 2020 agenda uh, for the British Academy and, and where do we go from here? Well, this year we, uh, we had two objectives. One was to keep, uh, keep engaging with a really broad range of uh, different people around this notion of uh, purposeful business, building on the principles that we'd set out. Uh, and to really bring more people into that conversation and extend it to a very broad audience so we can we can reach as wide a range of businesses, policymakers uh, and investors as possible uh, to build support for this notion of purposeful business, but also to hear their views and conversations like this are exactly what we're, we're thinking about in terms of uh, responses to that agenda, um, how to shape it, strengthen it, um, and um, how to apply it ultimately. So a broad, a broad discussion we, we hope to continue having. And the second objective we have um, is to really dig further into the details on some of these issues. You've raised some questions here which are, are questions which others are also raising and we're keen to delve into in much more detail uh, and, and bring people together to identify new ideas why this set of principles and implement them or integrate them into the way business operates. Uh, so those two objectives uh, are at the heart of what we're trying to do this year. Um, the way we go about that was going to be, and will to some extent still be, convening people um, from different walks of life to understand uh, the role purpose for business can play and how to apply those set of principles. Um, we are obviously reviewing the way uh, we're going about that at the moment, but we'll be looking to take maximum advantage of all of the technical tools out there to conduct virtual meetings, and we'd welcome participation from, uh, from all of your listeners in, in the virtual events which we hope to convene over the coming months um, and as well in physical events, uh, hopefully, which will be able to convene later in the year. And I suppose the last thing to highlight, and I know you've got a, uh, I, I think you've got a global audience, uh, that this is a global agenda. Um, and while we at the British Academy have, uh, have looked at it um, with, 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 with our uh, connections and different people we're involved with, um, it's a much bigger debate than, than we've been able to have so far. And one of our objectives uh, in the coming year is to, to bring that debate uh, to uh, an, a global audience um, and engage with people around the world, uh, both to share the, the conclusions we've 
reached, but also really to hear responses from different environments, different contexts, which can tell us uh, much more about how this set of principles might be applied around the world. Well, I certainly hope, Henry, that we can continue to be part of the conversation. And thank you very much for sharing uh, with us today. Uh, You've been very generous with your time. and It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you very much.